Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you had a good weekend. Kind of interesting week ahead here The uh, with Congress off. They're on recess, but uh, back in home districts. It would be interesting to see what they uh, hear about the farm bill and some other issues. Uh, also, of course, planting. Uh, depending on where you're at, uh, it was a big weekend for the planters to roll. A lot got done in several places. I can even tell you in some areas, like where I'm at in West Central Illinois, it, farmers just done an amazing job of catching up after the slow start, and now could even use uh, some showers. To uh, it's been a while since we've had some rain, so it's amazing how quickly things change. We'll get a planting update for Western Illinois today. We're going to hear from Rob Elliott in the Monmouth, Illinois area. Also coming up today, a complete look at the weather forecast. DTN's uh, Bryce Anderson will join us to really break down the weather for the week and weeks ahead. And Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President for the American Coalition for Ethanol, will be joining us. He's been doing some work with the U.S. Grains Council in Mexico. In Mexico, they're they're trying to get E10 going there, kind of like uh, we did many years ago, and now we're trying to get E15 established. They're trying to get E10 established there in Mexico. We'll get an update on that with Ron Lamberty. But right now joining us is the editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications, Sarah Wyatt. Sarah, I mentioned Congress is off this week, so it'll be a little quieter there for you in Washington, D.C., but it'll really be interesting to hear find out what they hear from uh, voters back in their home districts about the Farm Bill and some other issues. Well, absolutely, Mike. I think this is a great time for voters to visit with their congressmen when they're home, back in their respective districts, and let them know what exactly is on the front burner for American agriculture. And as much as we have been covering what's happening on the farm bill, because there was the recent markup and uh, recent uh, discussions about the timing and how this might move pretty quickly in the House of Representatives, we know that farmers are also very concerned about trade. So uh, I think that they're, they're going to get an earful on both of those subjects if they have an opportunity to visit. What are you hearing on NAFTA? I mean, sometimes we get reports that makes it sound like a deal is imminent. Then we start hearing reports that President Trump may not be in any hurry on this. Uh, what are you hearing on NAFTA? The buzz last week is that we would see something by mid of this week. And I do think it's very doable. Um, there was a little bit of a last-minute uh, push to make sure that something got done on dairy, especially Class 7. I think the president really was adamant about making sure that that was included. And the Canadians, as you know, Mike, are very reluctant on that. But uh, we've been hearing that, uh, you know, certainly by, mid, by the end of the week, but um, some expectation that midweek we'll see, start to see the outlines of a deal. Now, whether or not it can still be approved again, ratified in both houses of Congress, that's another but of an uphill battle. But I do think that this trade uproar right now would be settled down just a little bit if we knew we could get that deal done. It's just like when we got chorus done, um, you know, it kind of took a little bit of the angst out of the arguments that were going on. Uh, so if we get NAFTA done, that would settle a few folks down, I think, by so that's a big story to watch this week ahead. Now, I've been saying for a long time, I just can't imagine this thing getting through Congress very easily. I mean, the heavy lift is going to be there, isn't it, to try to get whatever deal they bring back, get it through yes. Congress. 
Yes, I mean, you know, there is so much divisiveness in Congress right now, and it's difficult for people who were, of course, very unsettled about the president, even um, his positions on NAFTA, and then finally a decision to renegotiate rather than scrap the deal. Well, now what he comes back with is going to be very uh, closely watched to see what kind of political support he can gather. Now, I do think that outside of agriculture, there's going to be some things that a lot of Rust Belt members are going to be excited about, i.e. on auto, uh, you know, the automakers and whether there's some additional concessions there. So uh, it's not so much the ag provisions that we're going to see huge changes in, uh, but on some of those things outside of ag and manufacturing that could secure the votes. Meanwhile, the controversies around EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt just continue to swirl, don't they? Oh, they do. And, you know, I don't think he did himself much more harm than he's already done during back-to-back hearings last week. But uh, he's really been in a situation where he's got these ethical issues, and then the RFS has made a lot of folks upset about really how he's – not moving ahead as much as I think the president has even directed him to do. So um, I'm not quite sure that he's going to be with us a a lot longer. Uh, On the other hand, on the regulatory front, he has made some good decisions in terms of trying to streamline regulations. And, Mike, you know how popular that is out in farm country where people have felt really overburdened. But he's got to move uh, in a way that really gets us through WOTUS, uh, we all expect that we're going to be sued over the waters of the uh, the U.S. rule, whatever it is. So he has to make sure he does that quite carefully. And uh, he's also got to make sure that he delivers on some of the other things that the president has asked for in his anti-regulatory agenda. But um, right now I'd be looking to learn a lot more about Andrew Wheeler, Wheeler who's the new deputy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a name to keep in mind. That's right. Yeah, uh, Pruitt told us last week. May-June time period for their WOTUS uh, replacement, so we'll be watching for that. Meanwhile, he keeps uh, the, the waters keep getting stirred on the RFS waiver issue. Now we've learned that uh, uh, Carl Icahn has been uh, is getting a, a waiver on this, too. So uh, that controversy is not going away, it doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like that, but the president was really clear, according to some of my sources, that he wants to make sure that we go with the E-15 year-round. And he has asked Pruitt to de- deliver that message to others on Capitol Hill. And so uh, I think that the, the president listened pretty carefully to the concerns from the ag community that are pro-RFS and wants to move ahead, at least in that direction. Doesn't it seem like this pattern with this administration is just when everything seems to be uh, at a fever pitch on controversy and and someone's really upset whatever sector it is and we're we're looking at agriculture of course then the administration kind of comes along and offers something as a a, the olive branch and said here's something for you and it kind of calms people down for a while i think that is the cycle that we're seeing and some of it depends on you know who is making the last argument in terms of what is the direction forward Um, so everybody's got to be on their toes and making sure that they're offering input on issues like you know trade we've got a trade mission this week over to china and it's really your classic team of rivals uh, you know the uh, president sent people who are very cautious and almost anti-trade in some respects pete navarro uh, senior white house advisor and then uh, free market folks like larry kudlow but then also uh, 
U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. You know, all four of those men have different perspectives on how we should establish U.S. trade policy. And I think that's going to be the really big story to watch is what the Chinese are willing to give in terms of concessions and whether or not those four come back and tell the president this is a good deal or not. It's a good way of putting it, a, a new version of a team of rivals. You're right. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Always good to talk with you, and we'll watch for that NAFTA announcement. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you, Mike. Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up next, weather. What's it going to be like this week ahead? Uh, who's going to be able to stay in the fields, maybe get to the fields? Who's going to be uh, maybe uh, out of the fields for a while? Bryce Anderson breaks it down for us next, right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Around 3500 B.C., someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at ingeniaherbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermos Boss, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Let's talk weather. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson is with us. Bryce, uh, we're wrapping up April. Uh, in, at least in some places, it's starting to feel more more like the season that we expect for this time of year, but there's still challenges uh, in several areas of the country. Well, there are, Mike. Uh, I do think that this past week uh, saw some pretty decent progress on planting, and uh, there could be a number of uh, growers who actually finished in parts of Illinois and Missouri uh, from what uh, I am uh, hearing and you know obviously that's uh, good for those producers Uh, we could have a uh, planting progress number uh, here uh, on Monday afternoon coming in at around 20 percent maybe even a little bit above that Uh, so there you know that would represent about a uh, 15 percentage point improvement uh, from a week ago so that would indicate some progress it does look like in the western and the northern Midwest this week that uh, there still will be some rainfall to interrupt uh, activity. Uh, we're getting some showers in uh, quite a bit of Minnesota today, and uh, that's going to also uh, show up in Minnesota, Iowa, maybe a little bit of uh, northeastern Nebraska, and then into Wisconsin uh, during the uh, time frame from tomorrow through Thursday. Yeah, I'm in West Central Illinois. I'm just amazed how quickly our farmers have caught up after the slow start, and we're actually needing some uh, precipitation here in this area. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I've got to I got to tell you this story if I can. Um, about five years ago now, I, I sort of got my I, I got my testimonial. I I got the message uh, about the impact of auto steer, and you know you cannot deny it. I was uh, with a a good friend of DTN's uh, in uh, eastern Nebraska who uh, who gave me uh, the afternoon to ride with him, you know, when he was finishing planting. And he set uh, the pattern for this one kind of rolling uh, parcel that he was working on. And so I watched him uh, very carefully, uh, you know, make the original path on his recorder uh, with the uh, tractor and, and the steering wheel and so forth. And you know, we got the pattern set and uh, hit the touch screen, and then after he turned, then it was all up to the uh, program to uh, do the driving. And uh, it was, of course, exactly the same as he had uh, set the pattern for. And, and he told me that the, of all the advances that he had seen in, in production agriculture, there was nothing that had taken over like auto steer had. He said it didn't matter what age, what size of operation, none of that mattered. Everybody, when they saw what auto steer, auto steer could do, they wanted it. And we've seen the impact of that, along with many other things. But that's been just so key to uh, the kind of progress we can see in field work. It is amazing. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, we've said some areas are still uh, too wet and and even cold even here as we wrap up April. Yes, we do, uh, particularly over the northern half of the Corn Belt, Mike. Uh, there's no doubt that it's a, a, a tough scenario, uh, northern Iowa into Minnesota. And I think that's, that's where we're going to see the biggest delays. Um, I'm going to break it around uh, a little ways north of uh, U.S., probably U.S. Highway 30, actually, 
in uh, kind of uh, you know central Iowa, then northward. That's where the uh, delays are are going to be the most pronounced. But uh, still, it's uh, not uh, completely um, not not completely uh, a problematical all the way through the balance of the uh, season. I, I think that we're going to get probably uh, most, uh, if not all, of the corn planted before the uh, 20th of May. I think that that is a very uh, a very possible scenario, particularly with the fact that here the first of the week we have some very dry, warm, and windy conditions. So that will allow for a lot of progress to be made. And uh, so that is, you know, keeping on with uh, the trend of uh, offering these fairly uh, narrow uh, opportunities, a few day periods here and there for field work. And when that happens, you know, everybody gets a lot done in a very short period of time. It does require uh, making use of uh, the technology all the way into the evening and into the night. But you know that growers are going to do it, and I think that we are seeing that now. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that already. What about the folks out in uh, the plains where it's been so dry? Uh, very little uh, moisture is in effect uh, for the uh, southern plains. Now, there could be some improvement in winter wheat conditions this week uh, based largely on uh, rainfall that happened last week, particularly in Oklahoma. They got a, a pretty decent round of showers. But uh, this is still not a, a real turn to a, a wetter period. Uh, there are some forecast rainfall amounts for central Texas this week that are moderate to locally heavy, and I think that's optimistic. In fact, on my video today, I put a big question mark over central Texas with that rainfall because I think that's uh, kind of stretching it. Uh, the southwestern plains are in uh, high wildfire danger today, and I think that that typifies uh, what we're going to be hearing out of the wheat quality tour that's uh, beginning today in Kansas and is going to uh, kind of, uh, you know, do their work on checking the health of the wheat crop at this point. All right, so overall, what does your May forecast look like? The, uh, the May time frame is uh, shaping up to be uh, pretty warm over much of the uh, southern half of the country, uh, maybe uh, towards seasonal uh, when you think about uh, an area from central Iowa northward. But as far as uh, any real cold temperatures, that doesn't appear to be a big part of things. We have the uh, receding La Nina in the Pacific that uh, is starting to lose its influence on our weather pattern, and I think that that's uh, fairly good for temperatures. As far as moisture is concerned, I'm not looking for a great deal of moisture over most of the major crop areas. Now, we could see some uh, showers over the eastern Great Lakes, maybe the Ohio Valley, and then into the southeast that are above normal. But over much of the remainder of the uh, central crop areas, we're looking at near to below normal on uh, precipitation. And then in the southwestern plains, definitely below normal through the month of May. Okay, let's go to South America, where they have some uh, weather concerns for their second crop. They do, and, uh, you know, definitely justified. Over the weekend, Brazil was dry. Uh, satellite imagery that I'm looking at this morning is uh, clear as a bell over the entire central crop belt of Brazil. Mato Grosso, Paraná, Rio Grande do Sul, over to Minas, uh, Gerai, Goiás. They are all just as sunny as can be. And this week is going to be pretty much on the dry side over uh, all of that Brazil crop area as well. Uh, it's possible, Mike, that the total corn crop in Brazil is going to be 
uh, around 10% less than a year ago. So already there's some reduction in the uh, crop output that is uh, expected out of Brazil because of uh, this drier pattern that they have. It's not as generous on rainfall as they had a year ago. All right, so um, also it's getting that time of year we think about severe weather here in the United States. Uh, what's it looking like there? We've had a slow start to the season. Uh, you know, especially you think about tornado development in, uh, in the Southern Plains. Uh, there hasn't been very much of that. We could see fire up during uh, this week because we have a uh, finally for the first time we have a warm and cold front uh, boundary uh, shaping up uh, that is uh, starting to move uh, from northwest to southeast out of the northern plains and then into the midwest Uh, so there could be some severe storms uh, develop but because we had such a uh, you know kind of a uh, delayed start to the season I think that the uh, total uh, severe weather occurrence is going to be uh, less than average and uh, less than last year. But now that doesn't uh, take away from the fact that when those uh, storm conditions develop, that they're always um, very concerning and uh, any particular cell has the potential to cause a lot of damage in just a short period of time. We know that. Okay, real quick, I want to stretch you out here. What's your summer forecast look like for us? Uh, generally on the seasonal track, uh, and I think that uh, we're going to, uh, you know, have just uh, not a whole lot of variance uh, from the uh, pattern that we're in right now. I am concerned about the dry conditions over the southern plains not uh, showing any real great improvement over the next uh, few months. In the Midwest, uh, the fact that we are... Uh, by and large in pretty good shape on soil moisture I think is a real big buffer against uh, the threat of any uh, heat wave or uh, midsummer dry spell. We saw last year what that can do for uh, crop benefit and I think we're going to be in that same type of uh, a uh, framework for this year and you look on uh, drought uh, reports and so forth and over the majority of the uh, major crop areas there is not uh, a real soil moisture issue, particularly east of the Mississippi. All right, Bryce, as always, good to talk with you. Check in next week, okay? Okay, Mike, thanks a lot. Thank you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson with a complete look at the weather. A little later on, we'll check uh, planting conditions in the Monmouth, Illinois area. But coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, work being done to get the E10 in Mexico and the work that's being done there. What kind of market that can be for U.S. ethanol? We'll talk with Ron Lamberty with the American Coalition for Ethanol next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code 
farm 11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm 11 time for a market check here on adams on agriculture i'm rusty halverson for the american ag network grain and soybean futures starting the week in the green boosted by concerns over south american weather and optimism over export demand Corn prices drawing some support from a slow start to the planting season and worries about dry conditions in some corn-growing regions of Brazil. Soybeans getting lift on this Monday on expectations that demand for U.S. soybeans could benefit from Argentina's short crop, as well as hopes a U.S. trade delegation to China this week could soothe over some of the trade tensions between the two countries. Private exporters reporting to USDA sales of 120,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to Argentina during the 2018-19 marketing year. July soybeans moving to a sharply higher close on Friday. The rally tugging July beans above the 10-day, 20-day, and 40-day moving averages at the final bell to end the week. To begin this week, we are 3 half to 6.5 cents higher in soybeans. An hour in, July beans up 3 and a quarter at 10.59 and a half. A major chart objective lies at 10.63 and three quarters. The next bullish July corn target lies at 4.02. We are currently hovering around that level, 4.02 and three quarters, up four and a quarter an hour into the trading day. Meanwhile, new crop December posting a new high of 4.17 in the trade recently. Currently, December up three, four, seventeen and a half. For livestock at the Merck, after a higher start in live cattle futures, we're cooling off 45 to 62 cents lower, 35 to 67 cents lower in feeder cattle, 25 to 55 cents lower in lean hog futures. The outside markets, the Dow up 98 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button you can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial there's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract for a limited time you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase remember mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure that's 800-930-6137 again 800-930-6137 Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. As we work to get E15 established in our marketplace here in in this country and other places, they're still working on getting E10, such as in Mexico, and a lot of work being done there to get that transition to E10 in in that market. Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President of the American Coalition for Ethanol, has been very uh, active in in helping them down there and uh, doing some work down there. Ron, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me. You know, when I was reading this story, it just took me back several years when we were trying to get E10 established in this country. And I, I remember 
you know, everything that was going on, an educational standpoint, working with marketers, uh, getting it done. I mean, it. You know, now we look back and kind of take it for granted, but it was it was a a big a big lift at that time, and that's I guess what's going on in Mexico, right? Right. We were probably I don't know ten or fifteen years ago when we were spending a lot of time in the southeast U.S. and and in the northeast U.S. because they kind of had the same situation where not only did they not blend E10, they didn't really have any way to bring all that ethanol into that region. But once the math got right, it was pretty quick. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't very long after that that people started uh, putting in rail spurs so that they could bring in a couple of cars, and next thing you knew, the pipeline terminals or someone near the pipeline terminals put in loops to handle unit trains, and then we had ethanol all over the place. So we're start, sort of starting from scratch in Mexico because they're not using E10 right now. They're allowed to in some of the places and not in others, but the biggest, the thing that will probably take the longest time is that same matter of logistics, how do we get the ethanol there, um, and then how do we distribute it after it gets there. I know you've been doing some work with the U.S. Grains Council there in Mexico on this. Uh, kind of bring us up to date. Uh, what's what's going on there? How are you helping them make this transition? Well, the, the part that I've been working with is talking to fuel marketers. You know, these guys have been controlled by Pemex, the national oil company, up until a couple of years ago. And the national oil company decided when they got ethanol, I'm sorry, when they got gas and, and when they didn't and how much they sold it for and all those sorts of things. So they're pretty excited because now they're just able to buy fuel from whoever they want to, although most of them still buy from Pemex. But on top of that, now the, the option of selling ethanol in that fuel is something that they can do. And when I talked to them about how we did this, you know, even going back 35 years to when we first did it in the Midwest when we splash blended, you can see them getting pretty excited, and you can you can almost see the wheels turning on their face because they're thinking, gosh, I could be not only an ethanol user, I might be able to be a distributor by putting in a tank and buying ethanol by the truckload or, or train car load and then distributing it to other people um, by splash blending. And basically all that is is you go get your gas at the fuel terminal, and then you come over and put enough ethanol in it to make it a 10% blend, but you buy that ethanol from... In some cases, maybe another station or multi-station owner just like you. Um, and that's how it started throughout most of the Midwest and how it started in a lot of the places all around the United States. So it's kind of a, I, I wouldn't say I feel young, but I've gone back in time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it takes you back, doesn't it? Uh, so it does. we're, talking with, we're talking with Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Well, Ron, uh, I guess... What we're hoping is that they're going to be buying that ethanol from the United States, right? What kind of market could that be for us? Well, it's it, if the total market. They do about 12 billion gallons of, of gas a year, so it's 1.2 billion gallons of ethanol if we got all of it, which I'm sure we won't. The MTBE uh, market in that in that country is is pretty strong, and they're pretty they're they're doing. The same thing that we've had done against us in the United States, where all those rumors and all those old wives' tales and, I don't know, probably old husbands' tales, too, that have been told about ethanol are being spread there. So that's always kind of the fun part of this these these seminars is you get the Q&A, and they trot out some of the old, you know, the old uh, uh, mythology about ethanol. I got one last time I was there about whether or not it's okay to switch back and forth from a 10% blend to a 0% blend, and I, I mean, that I hadn't heard that question for 
I mean, I've, I've been with Ace for almost what 18 years now. I don't think I I think I heard that maybe my first couple of years at Ace, but that's a that's one that we haven't heard for a long time. So there, we we've got some battling to do there, but it's a potential big market. And then on top of everything else, you don't have to send it. You don't have to load it on a boat. You don't have to you know figure time for for shipping somewhere. It's a place that we can reach most in in many cases even by truckload by truckload. So yeah, we have the the logistical advantage there, that's for sure. But it 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 does take time. I mean, it, it's an education, and you always have some uh, red tape to cut through, and uh, and just uh, you know all those steps that we went through here in the U.S. Uh, those many years ago, uh, they're going to go through them there. But at least uh, they can look to what we've uh, what has happened here and. When those myths come up, and we can, we've got proof now. Back when we were doing it uh, here in the U.S. many years ago, it, a lot of it was, you know, kind of take our word on this. It, we had, we didn't have the track record in place. Well, now it's in place here. They can look at that down there, hopefully. Right, and I think that's why Grains Council has called me on quite a few of these things because I've done that before. I, when when we first did it in the U.S., even in the in the upper, you know, upper what do we call it, north central part of the U.S. and throughout the Midwest and through the other places, I was doing the same job those guys are doing. And so when they have somebody who's done what they do saying you can do this, um, it seems to be a lot more effective. So that that's, that's um, I think, the strategy behind that is if we can tell them that it's going to happen, that's one thing, but if we can show them that somebody's already done it, um, the message gets passed quite a bit faster. I think it seems more real to these guys. So hopefully it's going to be a big market for us in Mexico for ethanol. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, yeah, we have the, we have E10 established here, but now we're trying to get E15 established. Give us an update on that. Well, the the good news is, I guess, from a you know again from the math standpoint, with oil prices going up and gas prices going down, even though we're having our RINs kind of pulled out from under us it's still the math is still good and because we have some big names in the in the convenience store industry that are doing e15 uh, we just got wrapped up our first round of trade shows around the country Um, gosh i think we figured that the other day we figured out that we saw marketers from 30 some states but they're asking questions they're saying okay well if if people like Sheets are doing this stuff and, and Casey's and Come and Go and some of these other big chains are doing these, what am I missing? And so there's interest on the single store owner level. Um, they're seeing the math on the streets where they're got, they've got a competitor that's got a product they don't have that sells for a few cents less than them or a nickel less than them, and other marketers are, are wanting to get in. And the good news for them is if they want to do E15, they can do it because in most cases the equipment costs little or nothing. And you know they can get they can get in the game with everybody else. Now the bad news is we still have our weird RVP rule that comes up here in a month from today or tomorrow, I guess, and and some of those things we got to deal with. And while the EPA seems pretty lenient about going after other things, they've been dragging their feet now on this stupid RVP rule for years, and and. Uh, you know, it means we got to shut it down for E15 for most of the country for about three and a half months. So I don't know if we'll get anything done there, but we're going to keep pushing. Yeah, we're hoping that that waiver is granted and allows E15 sales year-round. I-, I was thinking about this over the weekend. I was getting E15, putting it in the tank, and, uh, you know, and thinking about, yeah, not everyone can do that yet in this country. Uh, you know, we're still trying to get that 
market uh, distribution spread out. But as you said, we've made a lot of progress. If we could get that uh, year-round uh, sales allowed, that would really make a boost, wouldn't it? It, it certainly would. I mean, there are there are chains of stores and there are individuals who've told us they just don't want to hassle with that. The idea of having a fuel for nine months out of the year and then changing it to something else and then coming back with it in September, even the guys who have marketed it really well have said their demand takes a beating and then next September they've got to sort of convince people all over again that it's okay to use it because when when you have to take it out for three months, um, you know, it, it gets a little bit, it, it plants a seed of doubt in a customer's mind saying, well, why is it going away? Is it something I shouldn't have been using? And, and so when it comes back even, people don't just jump right on it. They, they're a little bit hesitant. So we, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dumb rule that doesn't accomplish anything. And, you know, it needs to be taken, it needs to be taken out. I think the interpretation of it has been wrong from the start. And certainly if, if billionaires can be considered you know, hardship cases, they can surely re- reinterpret this, uh, this RVP regulation and, and let people do it so that there's not so much hassle to a station owner who wants to sell E15. And, Ron, real quick, the octane issue, much in the news again. I mean, this is uh, another strength of ethanol, providing the octane. Right, and, I, you know, the, the good news is that the car manufacturers want to use higher octane fuel. I think the bad news is that sounds like they might be trying to make a deal with oil companies who say, yeah, we'll do the octane thing and we'll support it as long as you limit ethanol, which is just, I mean, it's just proof that they're not really interested in octane or anything else. They're interested in trying to limit the amount of any kind of fuel that competes with them. There's no logical reason to limit 10% ethanol. There's There's no mechanical reason. There's no equipment reason. There's no, there's no reason for car manufacturers to limit ethanol to 15% even. Um, they've done testing with 25 and 30% ethanol found that they can do a lot of cool things with that because the octane can be even higher and because of the ox- oxygen content, it doesn't heat up their engines. So, um, we're, you know, we're in favor of higher octane, but we want to make sure that the higher octane doesn't come with some kind of poison pill. They just keep throwing up the roadblocks, don't they? We just have to keep breaking through them and going over them. So uh, keep up the good work, Ron. Thanks. Good to talk with you again. Yeah, good to hear from you, Mike. Take care. Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President for the American Coalition for Ethanol. You heard him say that that uh, Mexican market could be a very good one for U.S. ethanol producers. All right, coming up next, a planting update. We'll go to Monmouth, Illinois. Rob Elliott joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed at Management Service Provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty 
and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to MyPillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We continue to check planning progress around uh, the country. We check in today in Monmouth, Illinois. Rob Elliott is with us. Hi, Rob. How are you? Hey, good morning, Mike. Doing well. Good weekend of weather for this part of Illinois. And Noah, uh, farmers getting a lot done. Yeah, things are moving along fairly rapidly. Uh, middle of last week, everybody got going in earnest, and uh, they uh, were anticipating the chance to get going and have kept at it. So uh, how much is done there in your immediate area there in Monmouth? You, you know, I'm going to say at least half the corn is probably now in. Some fe- people are, uh, you know, concluded with uh, corn planting and moved on to soybeans, but it's uh, it, it's happening very rapidly. And uh, it looks like we may have some rain for a delay here midweek, but uh, that may not be all bad either. I would say I'm not too far from you. We could actually use some rain over in my area around Jacksonville, Illinois. What's uh, the soil moisture condition in your area? Well, it's adequate, but but it has uh, dried out. And we we in the west side of the state are not nearly, uh, we didn't get those big rain events that got over to the east. All right, so uh, you're not in too bad a shape. I mean, you know, it's always that tough call. You're not in too bad a shape, but, you know, you don't want to miss rains either, but you want to keep going. It's, a, it's always a fine line, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and uh, the 10th of May is approaching rapidly, which uh, is kind of a benchmark date uh, to keep corn yields intact. But as always, the July and August will tell the tale on the, the type of crop we have much more so than here on the front end, probably. How's your soil temps? Uh, you know what? Pretty pretty good shape, uh, although the uh, last couple of nights or so here uh, over the weekend got down towards uh, the freezing mark. But uh, warm up during the day here to 70, I think it may, be, uh, may approach 80 before today's over. Mm-hmm. Now, you also do quite a bit of traveling around. What are you seeing in the other areas that you've been uh, traveling to? Well, the one thing I would tell you, Mike, uh, other than the Deep South, the whole upper Midwest Corn Belt, nobody had an advantage. <laughs> nobody got started uh, in uh, regular fashion. Uh, the poor guys in that belt farther north across uh, part of South Dakota and Minnesota and into Wisconsin that got that uh, uh, three plus, uh, or, or excuse me, three feet of snow, uh, I, I heard from a guy last night up in the north of Madison that said our drifts are now almost clear gone. So uh, they've got a while to go before they can ever get started up there yet. Yeah, we're going to get a planning report from Minnesota on tomorrow's show. We're talking with Rob Elliott from Monmouth, Illinois. Uh, Rob, uh, what about uh, weed control? How, how do things look? Has the weather kept those uh, slowed down, or are they starting to take off too? Well, I mean, they'll, they'll go now that uh, the temperature's warmed up, but for the most part, you know, with the cold conditions and 
and and the like. So we 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 haven't got uh, got that that weed population going just yet. But now when it warms up, uh, things will get off and going. But uh, a lot of herbicide, a lot of spraying going on, and uh, I, all in all, in our part of the world, I think things will be in pretty good shape. Yeah, the spring, it's getting to be that busy time for that as well. So were there many acreage shifts in your area, Rob? Did the guys go to more soybeans this year? I, I don't think so, Mike. I, you know, if if you were heavy corn on corn and you, you maybe possibly put in a few more acres of beans, but for the most part, a lot of guys are in a 50-50 corn-soybean rotation, and, and those typically stay intact. So. Even with a delayed spring, I don't think many crop plans got changed in our part of the world, certainly. You know, I'm always amazed. I don't know why I am because we see it happen over and over, and just more so with the technology and everything and the size of equipment. But you get a later start to a planting season like we've had this year. It just seems like it's later than it really is. And then I'm always amazed at how quickly farmers can catch up in just a short period of time. It can happen very rapidly, as you say, with the technology and the equipment and the size of the equipment. Uh, it doesn't take too long if guys uh, get a chance to get at it, and most of them are staying out there uh, a little bit later than they normally would to keep the things going and moving ahead. So yeah. uh, I think we'll be okay this spring. Hey, uh, we just, uh, in our last segment, we were talking about uh, with Ron Lamberty with the American Coalition for Ethanol about uh, not only getting E10 going in Mexico, and that looks like it's going to be a good market for us, but, of course, the ongoing uh, battle to get E15 established in this country. Uh, if we could get that year-round waiver, that would really help uh, help things on that side, wouldn't it? Oh, it sure would. I mean, we, we obviously have been hoping to get uh, – that E15 across much of the country during those summer months, and it and it seemed like we were pretty close, but uh, some of the things happen at the happening at the EPA seemed to have distracted the uh, direction that one had maybe momentum going, and uh, and the uncovering of some of the things that happened in the dark at night uh, seemed to be the problem here of late. So. Yeah. yeah, are you how frustrated are you with that this waiver process that's going on with EPA? Well, the last count I heard was 1.6 billion of, uh, of gallons of, of volume requirement that got uh, uh, relief or, or waiver, if you will. And and I, I don't know that 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 really kind of hurts the lack of transparency the way that happened. And uh, that that's virtually you know a pretty big pile of corn that uh, just lost demand right there. Yep. So. We'll watch that uh, that issue continue to uh, develop and see what happens there moving forward. Well, Rob, good to talk with you again, and uh, good luck getting the rest of the planning done. Sounds like things are going well. Take care, and we'll stay in touch. Hey, thanks for all you do, and congratulations to the new venture on Adams on Agriculture. Keep keep up the good work. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Take care. You, you bet. Rob Elliott from Monmouth, Illinois, with a planting update. As I mentioned, tomorrow we're going to check in up in Minnesota, where they've certainly had their struggles with a long winter. Kevin Papp, uh, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, will be joining us on tomorrow's program to give us an update on that and other uh, issues, uh, his thoughts on some of these other key issues. Uh, As we've been talking about, we may be hearing this week 
about a NAFTA deal. We're going to talk with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture up in Canada, get the Canadian perspective, what he's hearing up there on a potential NAFTA deal. And we're also going to continue our look at planting and market reaction to planting and some of these other stories in the news with trade and things like that. Uh, Steve Nicholson with Bravo will be joining us as well. So all that coming up on tomorrow's program. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <music> 